You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 41. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and since our radio stations are in the Christmas spirit, I figured it would be appropriate to use Christmas songs as a jumping off point to get us into Scripture this month. So don't forget that my goal each week is not necessarily to review popular Christian songs, but to use these songs as a catalyst to inspire us to interact with God's Word, reading it for ourselves, pondering His Word, and ultimately falling in love with the author. And I know that most of you listen to this podcast while doing something else. You've reported to me that you listen in the car or you play it while you're getting ready for the day, while you're washing dishes, and a host of other things. And I realize that you're not sitting with your Bible in hand and taking notes. And that's really why I take notes for you. So when you hear me refer to the show notes, those are the highlights of the podcast with links to scriptures I reference as well as other resources that I talk about. And you can find the show notes for every episode of this podcast at my website, michellekneesat.com. So, but even though you're not sitting with your Bible in hand, please, please don't just listen to an episode and then move on without letting it draw you into God's word to explore it for yourself. So with all of that in mind, this week's podcast features Nicole Nordeman's Christmas song entitled Real. Now, the song was inspired by a book by Al Andrews, and I have to admit that I did not read the book yet, but I did download the short story. He has a, a short, ver- short story version uh, available through the Kindle app, and I will link to that in the show notes. But here's what Nicole says. She says, every once in a while, you come across a story that helps you tell your own. From the very first page of A Walk One Winter Night, that's the name of the book, I recognize that the characters around the manger had become distant and no longer dear. Icons, not the fragile and weary souls they were. In this beautiful story, I saw them differently, maybe for the first time ever, and they jumped off the page and right into the music of my heart. I love that. And so the story overall, just give you a recap, but it highlights an experience that the author had when he was walking down the streets of his neighborhood, and he was drawn into the story of the nativity set up in his neighbor's yard. And he reports that it was like the plastic statues were speaking to him, and this is what they said. I am Don't turn me into memory or myth. Let me be real, real. And I'll show you what it means to love like this. To love like you don't even care about the hurry and the hustle. 
Now, the first time I listened to this song, I was so excited to use it for several reasons. First, my longtime listeners of this podcast know that I love it when lyrics of songs quote scripture, because when you learn the song, then you're really learning scripture, and singing is one of the best ways to meditate and to hide God's word in our hearts, as scripture says. So this song doesn't quote any scripture, though, but when you learn this song, you learn an important tool to use when you're interacting with scripture, and that is to remember that the stories you're reading are real. The characters are real. I'm I'm reminded of a story of one of my cousins. When we were young, my cousin Lori and I are the eldest cousins by several years. And one day we were chatting with Lori's younger sister, who was probably about five years old at the time. And we were watching television. And as I remember, it was it was a TV commercial that had both live actors and animation that sparked our conversation. And Melissa, my younger cousin, was insisting that nothing on TV was real, that it was all made up. And we were we were just trying to explain that the animation, you know, were drawings and and that that, that wasn't real, but that the live actors were real. They were just pretending to be someone that they're not in real life, but they were indeed real living, breathing humans. And Melissa got so mad at us. And my favorite part of the story is that in her thick Texas accent, she declared, they're not true. They're not true. And that was her way of just saying they're not real. And she was so mad and she was so insistent. And I may not have been able to convince my five-year-old Melissa that they were in fact true or real, but adult Melissa and her husband played Mary and Joseph last year in their uh, church's Christmas production. They go to a, a, a church in Houston and they have this grand Christmas production. And here they are playing Mary and Joseph with their real life baby in her arms. And I think that experience more than any other brought the real into the Christmas story for them. And so when they read these few verses or when they read these few verses in Luke now, where it says, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So when grown-up Melissa reads, she gave birth to her first child, a son, She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them. She knows how hard childbirth is. Their little one stayed in the NICU for 12 days. Could they resist thinking of that real story while they played these characters from this familiar story? And when I look at my cousin Melissa and her husband Chris as Mary and Joseph, and I see their sweet little boy as Jesus, Here's the difference. Well, the song says it, I think. 
frozen statues in the cold, washed in moonlight, blue and gold. Mary's babe in plastic hay, quiet wonder on her face. Mary, you look so serene, far too pretty, much too. Think we know you well, but what stories would you tell of all the dirt and dust and shame? Every burning labor pain, and as I turn to walk away, I hear you. Nicole describes Mary here as serene, with quiet wonder on her face, far too pretty, much too clean. And will you give yourself permission to stop and ponder this story? Because when I look at my cousin Melissa and her little light blue frock that she wore as she played Mary, and of course she had the look on her face of wonder and of love as she looks at this child like Mary probably did. But the reason I say permission, when I, when I say things like give yourself permission to stop and ponder this story, is I think we often get in our minds that we need to read and keep on reading for a set period of time for it to quote unquote count as reading our Bible. And my contention is that there are times when you do need to do this, when you do need to read and keep on reading. In fact, I encourage you to do that some this week. I want you to read all about the birth of Jesus in both Matthew and Luke, and even go exploring in John chapter one and and see him as God the Son. But sometimes it's okay to stop and ponder just a verse or two. Research a detail so that you can either place yourself in the story, or just get a better understanding of the context. Scripture is meant to be pondered and meditated upon. It's living, and it will come alive to you, but you have to turn down the noise and give yourself time to hear what you might learn from it. So let's do this for a moment. Let's start with Mary. So if Mary is real, a real person who had just traveled 70 to 80 miles while probably almost nine months pregnant, would she be in a pretty light blue stain-free frock? (laughs) What would you be feeling after at least a four-day journey on foot? Maybe there was a donkey to ride, but scripture doesn't really confirm or deny this detail. And I know (laughs) I took trips when I was pregnant in a car, And all of those journeys took longer than normal. So this was normally a four-day journey, but I can almost guarantee you that it took longer than four days because she was fully pregnant. Then, Then there is the length of this journey, you know, lots of time to think and to worry. She is just a girl. Surely she kept thinking, I'm just a girl. How many times did she play the conversation with the angel over and over again in her mind? 
let's let's remind ourselves of what that conversation was in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So if I'm Mary and I'm on a long journey and I'm replaying this over and over and over in my mind, I might have been thinking, what was I thinking? I'm the Lord's servant? I don't feel like the Lord's servant right now. I feel horrible. I'm tired. I'm big and giant and heavy. And oh, all of that mixed with uh, the son of God just kicked. Joseph Kamiri so active today. How many arguments did she and Joseph have along the way? What cravings did she have? Was she sick during the pregnancy? I know some of us... Some of us ladies have great sickness during pregnancy. Were Mary and Joseph alone on this journey? Surely there were other family members going to Bethlehem to be counted. So it was a great possibility that they might have been traveling with a group. Or maybe the shame was so, still so great that they were by themselves. Were they shunned and separated during this time? And then... I really hate to burst your nativity scene bubble, but if you really read carefully, scripture clearly says, while they were there in Bethlehem is what it's talking about. While they were there, it came time for her to have the baby. This means that they were already in Bethlehem. So it's not like they like drove up on the night that she had the baby and knocked on doors frantically trying to find a place to stay. I would imagine that they had probably already secured lodging for those days that they were there. And if you read carefully in the English Standard Version, I probably should have used that version earlier when I read in Luke. But if you look carefully in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, read it in a couple of different versions. But the English Standard Version says she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Other versions uh, say there were no place for them in the guest room, which is a better translation because the word translated here for inn actually means guest room. I mean, it's not a traditional inn like you're thinking of. It's not Motel 6. Hey, do you have any rooms available? It is probably the home of a relative that they had made arrangements for. And a lot of people were probably in this quote unquote guest room area. And we don't know for sure, but maybe it was that there was no room to have a baby in the crowded guest room. She did place him in a manger Uh, The scripture is clear about that, but that does not necessarily mean that the manger was in a stable. There's nothing that says that she placed him in, in a manger in a stable. 
it is possible that it was a stable, but it is also possible that that it was in kind of like the downstairs living area, kind of like an outdoor living area, kind of open air living area. There may have been a manger um, in that area, not that they would quote unquote live with their cows and goats and stuff, but in this outdoor living space downstairs, but not necessarily off in a stable. Uh, even so, you know, it might've been the most appropriate crib. It might've been the one place that they could put the baby. So he was placed in something that was commonly used to feed animals. Uh, they were not clean house pets. Uh, so it probably was pretty stinky, even if it wasn't in a stable and perhaps it could have been, it just doesn't say that specifically. And so, um, but back to Mary, I, I just, again, I don't want to go off on that too much, but I really want you to think about what scripture does say and not get caught up in kind of that greeting card version that we see every year. But I really want to go back to Mary. She had traveled 70 to 80 miles on foot or possibly with the assistance of a donkey. She's a good eight to nine months pregnant. She endured shame and I'm sure sneers. Uh, from family members and friends. And I mean, she came from a small town and they were headed to a really small town. Bethlehem was less than a thousand people. And so with the exception of those glorious first three months where she hung out with her cousin Elizabeth, who probably was the pretty much the only one who really understood her, let's just assume that she's in a crowded guest room with other family members. <laughs> Great. So I'm not sure. Have, have any of you ever spent a few days in a crowded room or a house with a ton of family members? I, we've done it a time or two going to the beach. And, uh, you know, there are moments I'm sure that could be fun. And then there are moments when you just wish you had your own space. And can you imagine doing that, being pregnant and then young and tired and scared and dirty and probably somewhat of an outcast uh, or at least the conversation of under-the-breath mumblings around you. And then it comes time to have a baby. So do you still think her frock is light blue and stain-free? I'm not going to go into details here, but I'm thinking not. You know, do you still think her face is serene? Our song says, We might think we know you well, but what stories would you tell of all the dirt and dust and shame, every burning labor pain? So what can we do to be sure that the characters that we are reading about stay real to us? Well, I've got three tips for you. And the first one is, first of all, read the details that are really there, especially when it comes to this Christmas story. We are so used to that greeting card picture or the holiday song version of how the story goes that we automatically assume those details are actually part of the biblical account. You know, my my daughter Meredith and I were watching a movie the other day and the baby Jesus was crying and she said, well, that's not right. He didn't cry. And I'm sure she was thinking of the song, Away in a Manger, where it says the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And that's where the, I had the opportunity really to remind her that Jesus was a real baby and that real babies cry when they're hungry or wet or cold or for any number of reasons, but that Jesus was real. So again, read the details that are really there. Just like how I pointed out that the scripture says, while they were there, the time came. 
So I think a lot of times when we read the stories, we just think they're, you know, riding up on the donkey and banging on the um, innkeeper's door in the middle of the night. And that's just not what the scriptures say. So again, number one, read the details that are really there. Number two, do a little research. And as I was reading the details that were really there, I saw that Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so then I thought to myself, I wonder how far that is. So I Googled it. You know, so if you, that's where I found out. It was like 70 to 80 miles uh, on foot or, or possibly on donkey. But really thinking about that distance that they would have to travel changed the story for me. I don't know if it did for you. But, you know, learning that about the probability that they had lodging up until the actual birth, but that there was no room in the guest room, kind of clarified the story for me, too. I'm going to link to two different articles that both corroborate that idea. So, again, if you're just doing a little research, it will help bring context and understanding to what you're reading. So, again, read the details that are really there. Do a little research. And then number three, take time to imagine how you would feel. And then overlay that with those historical details that you've researched and consider what the character may have had to endure. I'm a woman and I've had two babies. I can remember my feelings. And, uh, but, and I can remember some of the physical things that I went through. So I can imagine that Mary probably went through similar things. What I can't relate to is the fact that I was not a young girl when I had my children. I was not out of wedlock uh, when I got pregnant and had my children. I live in the 21st century, and so uh, I had access to doctors and hospitals and things like that. So I can't really understand. I can't relate in that way. But when I ponder Mary's historical context, think about the fact that she walked 70 or 80 miles, I can think about What's the longest distance I've ever walked? And how did I feel at the end of that? And I wasn't even pregnant, you know. So I can take those real feelings and real experiences that I've had, overlay those experiences and feelings with the historical context and the scripture that I'm reading. And then the story really comes to life. And I really avoid turning Mary into this memory or myth, but really, truly confirm her reality. So what's next? We'll take the other characters in the nativity scene scene and go through this same process. Read what scripture really says, do a little research, and then think about what these people might be thinking or feeling. And I encourage you to to discuss your thoughts with someone else. I mean, I plan with doing this with my kids. I really want to see what they think what they might be able to come up with, you know, out of the mouths of babes. Sometimes they come out with things that really blow my mind about how wise they are and the things that I never really thought of. My husband and I have had some great discussion with a simple starter like, did you realize it was 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And we talked about that for a minute. And so what characters will you take on to discover the song and then and also the short story that I linked to in the show notes? It takes on Joseph, but there are the shepherds and the Magi too. And don't forget baby Jesus. And I know um, that we, we don't really remember what it's like to be a baby, but many of us have been around babies to know a little bit about how this son of God may have responded 
on earth. And as I mentioned it before, I encourage you to read the Christmas story in both Luke chapters 1 and 2 and Matthew chapters 1 and 2. And then you can also understand a little bit more about the divinity of Christ by looking at John chapter 1. There's just a few chapters here. Read them in different translations and versions and see if there are details that jump out at you. And again, take some time to do a little research on your own. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Hop on Twitter and Facebook. Let's talk about what you're learning and leave a comment on this week's show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 41. Just a few quick announcements before we leave today. I really appreciate all of you who listen uh, more than words can describe. I thank you in advance for subscribing to the podcast in iTunes. And uh, while you're there, would you leave a written review and a star rating? This really gives me credibility when people find my podcast. They can see a recent written review, and it gives me credibility and hopefully some new listeners. And I also want to start giving a shout-out to my new subscribers to my blog. Uh, Subscribers to my blog get just a weekly email reminder that there's a new podcast as well as a link to free memory verse resources that I create each week. And in the past couple of weeks, I've had new subscribers from Wisconsin, my home state of Idaho, my original home state where I was born, and Minnesota. So I'm so excited about the number of people that have found me from all over, really from all over the world, but um, I'm excited about that. So thanks for subscribing in iTunes and also on my blog. And again, if you do subscribe on my blog, I will, just just to thank you for listening, I, I do create these memory verse resources. You can use them on your phone or your uh, tablet or your desktop or even a printable resource that eat, that coincides with what I taught on the podcast each week. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. In episode 24, I recommended that you buy the whole album, um, Music Inspired by the Story. And I have been waiting until this Christmas season to pull out the song that Mary sings called Be Born in Me. Actually, it's not Mary singing it. It is Francesca Battistelli. Uh, So grab the song or the whole album for your playlist today. I'll be talking about that next week. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 41. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.